Hey, don't you bite me. What's up, guys? What is going on? Me and JD are back, and we have brought a special guest along with us, a good friend of ours, Jake the Snake. What up, Jake? Jake the Snake. What's going What's on, going guys? On, man? Thank How you, you so doing? much for inviting me here on the show. I'm doing really good, man. Just up and out on a beautiful afternoon here in the Vegas Valley. I'm literally driving past this giant Roomba since that'll be the biggest <laughs> game tonight with the Ravens and Raiders, and it's going to be a packed house tonight. So, man, what a wild week one. It's been great. First and foremost, guys, welcome I-90 Sports Nation. What's up, guys? Episode 8 coming at you. Banging them out, man. Hell yeah. So what a wild week one we had, boys. Wild week one. Depressing and wild. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We uh we got to see some we got to see some some rookie quarterbacks uh show off what they could do. Um and we're going to start on the East Coast, and then we will work our way west. So let's start it off with uh, the Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. Now, um, there was a – this game was interesting. I was at this game personally, so I kind of got to see how – I think you get a better look at um, – at how the game goes and the ebb and flow of it. If you're actually sitting there watching it as a fan. Definitely. Cause I don't think that's, that's what TV doesn't, that's what the TV doesn't or doesn't uh, sometimes uh, can't like show the ebb and flow of the, of the game and just the, the momentum. And it's, it's, it's a different aspect of it, but I have some, uh, some good and bad points for this game. And then, uh, I will, I'll run them down for you guys. And then I will ask what you thought of it. Um, so Pat's versus the dolphins, the good points to me, the run blocking from the offensive line, Damian Harris, Jonu Smith, Mac Jones and Nelson Aguilar. Those are my good. Those are the, the standouts in the, in the, I think what the Pats did very well in that game, the bad points the inconsistent play calling on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive. I think they were, I think the Patriots were good for one drive and then very mediocre for others. And then they would show up and then they wouldn't. It was a very up and down back and forth when it came to the play calling. There were a lot of head scratching moments, you know, uh, third and eights where they would run off tackle with James White. And I think that's, to me, that's kind of a head scratcher because if you're going to run off tackle, you have Ramondre Stevenson and, and, and uh, Damian Harris to do that. So, absolutely. And then the so the next one running down the pass blocking from the offensive line. Mac Jones was taking hits all game. He was taking hits all game, and uh, that's concerning because the the line was supposed to be one of the better one of the better points of this team, and it seemed like the communication, at least in the passing game, was was at times very spotty and to see Mac Jones take hit, take hits like that um, was concerning. The next one I would have to say is has to, both of these next two points have to do with the defense 
and it's the linebackers because the Patriots in the middle of the field on on defense got absolutely eaten alive by Miami. Two, they gave two of the middle of the field the whole game, and he took it. He took it. He took it. They they gave it to him the whole middle of the game. They 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 let Tua work in that in that twelve to sixteen yard range, and he absolutely torched the Pats. And then the last but not least was the inconsistent pass rush from the Patriots. So let's start with the uh, guest today. <laughs> Jake, what do you think? Do you think the Pats have problems or what do you think? I think this was kind of just a start for them. Um, I mean, first of all, you're, you're starting a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, who, as you could kind of see from play by play, very systematic. I think he's kind of somebody that's to the book that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels puts together. Uh, but I thought was very impressive. He shows you that he's very accurate of the football. He'll execute the spots when uh, when any of his open receivers are there. Um, and, 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 of course, there were a couple of sloppy plays, as you mentioned, that happened here and there. But I think this is just a start to – seeing what the Patriots could do with a rookie quarterback because we hadn't seen something like this uh, in a while. So I'm sure Patriot fans are kind of new to this. Uh, some I think have probably seen this years ago, but it, it's quite a refresher. But I thought Mac Jones and Nelson Aguilar looked really good today. Or, uh, very, yesterday, very. So. That, that chemistry is encouraging. They looked very good. Yeah, and it's funny you brought the point about, you know, the linebackers against Miami's offense because you think of uh you know Chase Winovich you think of Kyle Van Noy who comes back to uh New England that's going to be something they're going to need to address to fix up because I thought that was a mess on the linebacking core um we still saw exactly the same clutch uh secondary that we thought we would with um you know with New England but you know it is a it is a start for week one it's pretty unpredictable at times but I think this is going to be a team that's going to get better over time. Absolutely. I, a lot of the issues that I did see with them are, are definitely, definitely correctable, coachable, correctable, nothing, nothing that was like, like, Oh man, this is going to be a problem for the rest of the year. It was just stuff that they definitely do need to need to correct. Hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of adjustments that needed to be made, um, but they wanted to see how they, they performed in week one. And I think the way that the process is they're pretty slow, but they're a type of team that works every week. So they're going to work on certain things, fix up a little bit of certain plays that may have been miscued, and then they're going to get better by each week so that that way then, you know, they, they master the playbook. Oh yeah, man. Right, very good assessment. I and I agree with uh, pretty much pretty much everything uh, Jake had to say. And to add on to it, I would say that um, this game to me said a lot more about Brian Flores than it did in his defensive scheme than it did about the Patriots or their offensive scheme. I think that I think that Mac Jones. See, here's what Mac Jones is doing, and here's what Josh McDaniels is doing. You ever you ever gone to the pool on a, a really warm day, and it wasn't warm earlier in the week, uh, <laughs> but you know you want to go to the pool when you dip, you kind of dip your feet in a little bit. That's what they were doing with the playbook. They're kind of dipping their feet in a little bit. They're seeing what they could get away with. They were seeing what what Mac was good at, basically. 
And I think that it just said a lot about um, Brian Flores' defense that they weren't going to allow them to, to do anything funny. Um, and it was a grinding game, man. It was a good game. And to add on to your point, Bobby, about being at the game, when you're at the game, you're immersed into the energy of the team or both teams. So you can feel the momentum swing left and right, whereas, whereas on TV it might come as a surprise when the momentum swings. So that's kind of that's, – that's how I would describe that. And, uh, yeah, it just says a lot more about Flores to me than, than, than Mac or anyone else. So let's kind of, let's kind of focus on the good points first, the mm -hmm. run blocking. So let me, let me give you, let's, let me give you some, some numbers here. Uh, Pat's nation, <clears throat> the run blocking and the offense overall was, was, was pretty good for the, for the Patriots. So let's, let me, let me, let me rifle off some numbers to you guys to you JD and uh and um I want to get your opinions on them. So Nelson Aguilar, 5 catches, 72 yards, one touchdown. Damian Harris, 23 carries for 100 wow. yards. Mac Jones, Mac 10, Mac Daddy, QB1, 29 of 39, 74.4% 281 yards, one touchdown, no picks, no fumble. Excellent. James White, 10 carries, 61 yards. Now, with those stats, you'd think the Patriots would have won that game. If I if I if I gave you those stats and and said, sure. do you think the Pats won that game or lost that game? They should have won that game with stats like that. Well, here's what I would say um, in contradiction is I would say that 70%, you know, I'm not saying that some of the – Mac Jones played amazing for a rookie, absolutely amazing. But if you give 70% to Tom Brady, he's throwing – probably throwing down the field more, probably scoring more touchdowns. So, like, it goes back to, like, my getting my – getting uh, McDaniel's feet wet. That's that's how I see it. It's like they weren't, they weren't able to push the envelope or they didn't feel comfortable pushing the envelope too much. And that might be why they why they lost because Flores took advantage of some turnovers. They also keep in mind they did also have two fumbles. Yeah, that's true. And that's, that turned it that turned into points. That's gonna kill you. Yeah, that's definitely I'm sure Belichick's not happy about that. Now, one thing I would like to talk about is when they did use the two tight end set, when they did use the two tight end set, and they didn't use it much, and I think I think we didn't get to see um, – there's there's two reasons why I, I didn't – I think we didn't get to see a lot of the two tight ends set with the Pats, and one of them is they didn't – both of those guys were, were missing in preseason, so they didn't get to play a lot. They didn't get to a lot of practice time together to mesh. And then the other thing is, is I think they're going to come out and I think they're going to use a lot of it, and I think they don't want to show their hand – in the first game on how they're going to run that offense. But I do think we are going to see, because when Jonu Smith was given his opportunities, he took full advantage of them and made some excellent plays and excellent catches to keep drives going and um, just really showed out. He played, he played very, very well. So I think that is why we saw kind of that vanilla watered down look from them. But what do you think, Jake? Is it a Belichick yeah, thing to I mean, do that? Uh, I I think it's half and half because at times, like, yeah, Belichick, 
Belichick is the type that, like, when you look at from an from a blocking standpoint, he wants everybody on the front line of the offensive line to be protective at all costs because they want to protect the quarterback. Um, at the same time, when it comes to the tight end sets, you're either going to have someone who's going to be a really good clutch blocking tight end and also one that's going to be a very catching tight end. So uh, I do think it was slow as well, and you're right, because the fact of they were missing up at times in preseason. So I think they're still – Still to get used to each other. They're still trying to figure out the playbook with two tight end sets. But I do expect Bill Belichick to implement a little bit more of two tight end sets more often than I think we, I think that we would most anticipate, like anticipate seeing all throughout the season. So it's going to take some time, but I think at the end of it, you're going to see production out of Johnny Smith. You're going to see production out of Hunter Henry. It just takes time of it. I know kind of the skeptic of it, especially being a Charger fan, seeing Hunter Henry, it's slow with him. So that's where I like. I can kind of see why that they, they did that in the middle of the game. Now, I do want to ask you a question about Hunter Henry. Be, see, knowing that you've <laughs> seen that you got to see him play, this is Patriots Nation kind of first taste of him on the field and what is what is what is Hunter Henry going to bring to the Pats? I think Hunter Henry, you're going to expect him to bring some really good production, and I think ultimately what happened because you think of the rookie season he put up, he was a guy that was coming off of a year where it's a pass the torch moment from Antonio Gates to Hunter Henry, and at times you'd see Philip Rivers where he was productive of throwing the football to Hunter Henry. You're going to get a real good passing, you know, a pass-catching tight end in the middle of it. And I also do think you're going to have somebody who's also going to be utilized on a pass-blocking situation, if not run block. Um, he's a good-built kid. He's got, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. And at the same time, the only thing that is on everybody's mind and their worries is, can Hunter Henry stay healthy? That was the problem that had happened with Chargers. He was missing a lot of on-the-field um, opportunities and even in the games. But I think with a Patriots team, like just, you know, new fresh, new fresh look for him, new change of scenery, I think this, this is where I think Hunter Henry, you're going to see the absolute best of him as cash majority of the time. But they are going to utilize him when it comes to run, run block. I think Henry's so, a hell of a so player. You're saying, so you're you're saying a little bit of he can. So you're saying he's a versatile guy that can do both ro- block and and catch. Yeah. And we all know how Belichick likes versatility, and he likes uh, you know versatility and availability. If you can do a lot yep. and you're available and you're available to do it, that's a Belichick guy. Absolutely. JD, what do you what are your thoughts? Hunter Henry, um, and just the t- double tight end the two set. Tight end set in general. Well, I think that yeah, it might take um the whole team a couple of practices, and like you said, if they weren't all together, it might take them a little while to get that going. And um, it's just one of those things where you got a rookie, you're you're trying to get him, you're trying to get him as much information as possible. But I think they want him to master the basic playbook before they start throwing extra things on his lap. They mm-hmm. want to make sure he can. You know, do all the little things right first, and then they'll try to get tricky with it. 
Um, and once they do, I think Mac Jones, I, I do think Mac Jones is, he seems like not only accurate enough, but sharp enough. And um, I, I think he's, he's capable of, of running that offense and um, doing it successfully. I don't know about the tight ends themselves. I guess we'll just have to see about that. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things. You never know how well players are going to play well together. And tight ends seem to – tight ends are like roller coasters, man. Like their performance – like Gronk had two touchdowns last night. He was projected to have five points on fantasy. Mm. He had two t- – or not last night, three nights ago or whatever it was. He had, he had 29 points. So, like, you never really know about tight ends. It's all about the scheme and uh, the, the chemistry and a bunch of other factors that are, are very much behind the scenes. No doubt, no doubt. Now, I have another question for both of you that I want to get both of your opinions on. Can, sure. can Damian Harris be a 1,000-yard running back this year? I'm going to go first, Jake. Yeah, you take go that. ahead, Jake. Oh, that's tough because, I i mean, I really do like Dan Harris, but I think, to be quite honest, I think he's going to fall himself short. He's going to try to get that 1,000-yard rushing, but I feel like he's going to fall short because, I mean, he's a really good kid that I think when it comes to an offensive line that provides the run block and at the same time provides those open lanes for Damian Harris to run through. Um, You kind of have to think about the matchups you're going to deal with uh, throughout the season. And I looked at the Patriots schedule as well. You're looking at a couple of games with uh, through in the season that are going to be some pretty good superior run blocking defenses. Really? You know, they're going to try to stop the run. We face a lot of good defenses with good fronts. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's where I think it, it may be the challenging part right there for Damian Harris. And it's not to say it's not possible, but I do think it, it, it's not going to come as easy when you're facing off against certain teams that may have rebuilt themselves to a better run defensive front. And, you know, and especially like we saw here uh, in this case with Miami and Brian Flores, not going to be that very easy to get through to certain defenses with schematics like that. Absolutely. What do you think, JD? Can he do it? He kind of changed my mind there. I was actually going to say yes, but actually I think no. And I, I have a different reason than, than Jake provided, but that's very apt. Uh, I would say no, and the reason why is because Belichick doesn't need to, and uh, the chat alluded to it. Karam says Pats have a heavy backfield. They have a lot of running backs, and Belichick uses – Whatever scheme he thinks is going to work, whichever running backs he thinks is going to work that week, you could have three 500-yard running backs this year, but I don't see one guy going for 1,000. Well, screw the both of you. He is. He's going to get 1,100. <laughs> what's the last guy? What's the last uh, picture going for 1,000? Are you the Lawrence Maroney? <laughs> I was going to say we both said sorry, the same sorry, sorry, about, sorry, about, sorry about that. The, the, inner, the, inner, the inner Patriots homer in me came out for a second. <laughs> Hey, I'd rather have Corey Dillon. What were you gonna say, Corey Dillon? Corey Dillon, I think, was the last time they had. Yeah, Corey. Not Maroney. Oh wow, that was a long time ago, bro. Um, Lawrence Maroney. Come on, man. That's that. That that dude was basura. He was trash. Wouldn't you rather have three backs that can run for five hundred than one that runs for a thousand? See, that's 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 another thing too. That, that's another thing too, right? Like, like, like the chat has alluded to that 
the Patriots have Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, um, uh, James White, and J.J. Taylor if they need him. Like, those are all capable capable of producing yards and points, you know, in games. I'd rather have three backs that combine for 2,000 yards from scrimmage. That's that. That would be nice. Yeah. That'd be a good. That'd be a good. I don't care if it's rushing or yeah. That'd be good for me. Now I want to get. Now let's just let's let's kind of focus on the quarterback for a second. Here. Okay. I I thought I thought Mac Jones the command at the line yeah. of scrimmage was was pretty good. I do think he messed up. I, I counted four times where he should have audibled out. Of, he should have called an audible and changed the play at the line. I counted four of them during the game where he might have not seen it or. Or just you know, kind of, you know, the, or Brian Flores disguised it good enough to where right. he didn't he didn't see it coming. But I counted four times in the game where he should have audibled out and he took a hit that was unnecessary. Now, that being said, when he did take those hits, he was able to deliver, still deliver accurate footballs. And I saw him twice do it, do something that veteran quarterbacks do well, is throw guys open. He did it twice really well. Throwing guys open is a veteran move. Oh, yeah. And another thing, Um, Cam doesn't throw people open very well. That's an upgrade, in my opinion. He never has. He never really did. And you have have to think in full honesty when it came to Cam and trying to throw people open. Like, first of all, you're – when you've got a lingering shoulder injury mm-hmm. that what Cam had suffered, like Bobby, you and I talked about this all last year. That's where he lost majority of his accuracy. So at that yeah. point, you you know what you're going to get with Cam Newton when it comes to situations like that. But to see Mac Jones toughen himself <laughs> to those hits and then be able to make the plays, I mean, we saw it all over. We saw it all over the league uh, yesterday. Justin Herbert was able to do that. If even if he was in under duress, he was going to throw yeah. darts down on field. Yeah, no right, doubt. Kind of no doubt. No doubt. Some of these young quarterbacks are going to end up going and learning. Yeah. Now we also talked about so what? So his poise in the pocket was good. His ability to take a hit, deliver an accurate football was good. He he did have a few times. Um, out of the 10 misses that he had, because he went 29 and 39, I I counted six of them being his fault. Six of them being his his own fault. Um, just just an off. He threw it where they, you know, just a miscommunication or they were on, they were on him. They were they were his his fault. The the other four were I think there was a miscommunication between him and the receiver. And I think there were I think he was thrown to a spot, and I think it was on the receiver. But those that those are his ten, his ten misses there. Um, is there the the one thing that, like I said, the one I think thing that he needs to learn? Uh, now, the chat alluded to it before that maybe maybe Belichick isn't giving him full autonomy at the line of scrimmage yet. Where it's it's you know if you see something you don't like, kid, you know, audible out of it. Um, so my next question to both of you guys is do you think do you think that Bill was holding the kid back a little a little bit? Yeah, in some cases a little bit. But yeah, because I do think that there's still some evaluation that they're still kind of doing with Mac. But um 
but I think at some point when they get, when they get, uh, I think as they get better week to week and they start to learn more and more of that playbook and still get kind of the, kind of the feel of in-game situations, I think eventually you're going to see Belichick really, really going to start to kind of take the screens off. Hey, there we go. Right. Hey, by the way, can I just say something, Jake? Yeah. The fact that I see palm trees in your in your camera pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate you for that. Because <laughs> it makes you want to come to Vegas so bad, don't you? I I, I hate you for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I'm not out. At least I'm not in Cali where it's always on fire. <laughs> I think you just changed from. From phone from phone to Wi-Fi right there. Yeah, I <laughs> Just change the audio of the HD quality your, right there. Uh, if you can, put your... <laughs> All right, so, J.D., until Jake gets better audio, we'll, we'll go with you. I, I'm sorry. I forgot. What was the question? It was about... Uh, oh, does he have autonomy? Does he have autonomy at do the you line? Think, oh, the, so the, the basic question is, do you think Bill is, is reigning in... Um, is reining in Jones a little bit to start the season and not giving him kind of full command at the line of scrimmage. Yes, and I think it's necessary. I think it's necessary until he – like there was reports that, okay, Mac was teaching Cam the playbook. Like let's say let's say that's true. It doesn't mean that, that Mac is a master of the playbook. That's It doesn't mean that he knows everything, and it also doesn't mean – I don't even know if Bill is comfortable with Tom Brady audibleing half the time, bro. So, like, yeah. so I definitely think he was reining him in at least a little bit. Bill's a control freak. <laughs> oh man, oh, that was my work. Nothing. Jake, are you are you getting on your computer? Yeah, I am actually. All right. Well, I'm gonna boot you, I'm gonna boot your your Las Vegas ass out of here, and then just come back in on your computer. Yeah, I'm coming in quick. All right. So let me. There we go. All right, we're good. That's better. Look at you with the Macho Man Randy Savage sunglasses. (laughs) Hey, I do. I do the look like Tatis, man. Tatis is (laughs) the only person bringing it out. So let me repeat the question. Do you think? Bill is holding is kind of kind of got the reins a little bit on Mac, you know, not letting him go full bore, you know, right out the gate. I think he does. I I mean, ultimately, like he he's still learning and understanding the playbook um, here and there. But I also do think that there are some things like, as you mentioned, that there were kind of a few mistakes that Mac Jones had had, which every quarterback is going to go through all of that where they're going to clean it up during practice and then get ready for next week. Um, But I do think, um, I do think eventually week to week as Mac Jones gets better with his throws and at the same time gets better with the playbook, uh, Bill Belichick is going to probably take the strings off bit by bit until he gets fully focused. He's ready to roll. And then he won't have to be like overly reliant, you know, on, on the situation where he can actually let Mac Jones play his game. Absolutely. Now, uh, I have three more, two, uh, two or three more questions for you guys. Now, about the Pats, who's, who is to blame for the inconsistent play calling? Is it, is it 
or what looked like inconsistent play calling? Is it the players not executing to the fullest? Is it the coordinators just not calling a good game? Or is it Bill keeping the reins on and not wanting to tip his hand on how he wants to run his office and defense for the season? Which one? JD, which one do you think? Has to be the latter. Uh, I I don't I've never seen Josh McDaniels call a bad game. That's not something that he genuine generally does. Um, but he's probably it's probably a lot of everything because you're feeling each other out. You know what I mean? It's just a new relationship. You don't know what you can get what you can get away with. So uh, that's that's what I would say. It's raining. It's the raining in. It's the latter. Has to be. Mm-hmm. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I do. I do think it's uh, it's I'm with JD on that one. I do believe that I think it's a ladder and stuff like that as well. Um, but again, you know, like I said, everything is unpredictable in week in week one. But the more and more you kind of get into like let's say week four, week five, you should be able to figure out exactly how everything should be executed, and at the same time, everybody should be up onto the same page, including Josh McDaniels as well. Well, you're both wrong. I wanted to kick Josh McDaniels in the balls for, for calling an <laughs> inconsistent game. Well, what plays did you not uh, I, appreciate exactly? Th- there were there were a lot of head scratchers to me. There was just a lot of head scratching moments. Now, I don't I don't know if it was I, I do think it was a very bland, very plain, very like unexotic um game plan. Very, very like straightforward. I mean, that's always um that's always kind of been part of Bill's deal where he doesn't like to tip his hand early in the season, especially to a division rival. Like let's say we play Miami down in Miami later on in the year. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, we could possibly be in a wild cut in a bubble spot for a wild card. And we're going to need that win. You know, that's a win that we're going to must have that we're going to need. So that's going to be a must have. And, so it's kind of I can see it from both ways. It was very frustrating watch watch because to me you could see how the poise was from Mac Jones was there that, that he could do more. He could do more, he could execute more. He looked poised enough in the pocket to do more. And it just looked like they were very they they had the reins on him for a lot of the game. Finally in about finally like a halfway through the third quarter, I think Bill finally got a little bit more comfortable with him. And let him throw to the tight ends, and let him let him kind of loose a little bit, and he <laughs> and he brought him he brought the Patriots back and, and played well. So I think there's a lot of upside to what we saw in that game, even though the Patriots lost. There is a lot of upside in it. I now, don't think it was lastly, bad game. Um, the defensive woes for the Patriots. I put it on the linebackers and the slow pass rush. The path, the I could I should say inconsistent pass rush because they did kind they at times they were very good they they gave two and no breathing room at all, but there'd be it was just very inconsistent very 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 inconsistent there was once again there was some head scratching play you know the way that they stunted and the way they blitzed on defense which usually you don't see a Belichick team blitz very often but they they did do it this game and and. I think they were. I think they were. They were executing the way they were, and the the linebackers were playing. The the linebackers got exposed. Um. Um, I think the linebackers got exposed a little bit because there's no Stephon Gilmore. You don't have your lockdown corner. You don't have your lockdown corner to take out Devonte. You know to take out Parker. 
You take Parker out of that situation out of Miami. Who's left there that, to to hurt you? Two or through two or through four four or six excellent twenty like 18, 18 to twenty yard balls to Parker that were perfectly thrown, and Parker made a couple of beautiful plays to keep drives alive. If that was Gilmore, that that would have been. I think that would have been a different story. But I want to know what you guys think, Jake. What do you think? Yeah, I agree on that. I think that there were a couple of mismatches and everything else. And at the same time, a lot of uh, miscues that were happening here and there. But I think that does come with um, guys needing to step up whenever, you know, you don't have your shutdown corner in uh, Stephon Gilmore. So that's where I think that they're going to need to be better improved for that. But usually when it comes to this Patriots defense, there's always more room to improve. Um, and everybody getting their opportunities to start taking advantage and start um, stepping up. I mean, you have to think about it. You got, you just got newly acquired Jalen Mills from the Philadelphia Eagles that is plugging himself in. I thought he had a, a very fantastic a game. Yeah, Jalen, Mil- a, Jalen Mills played phenomenal yesterday. Yeah, he played really well. Yeah, that pass block that he had was phenomenal. The fact that he got all of himself out there to knock away that uh, that opportunity was really good. And I think that that's what the rest of the secondaries are going to start to work with because you got to be able to stay steady on those one-on-one battles. I think that's what's the most important. Um, but I do think that that's going to be something, you know, as the weeks go on, that because, uh, again, that defense is going to give you something. They're either going to give you a few miscues or they're actually going to be shut down the other week. So it'll take some time. But, again, I think it's more of just a next man stepping up uh, situation when you're not without your star shutdown corner. What do you think, JD? Um, this is how I would say. This is how I, I just thought about it a lot, actually. And um, I would say that Tua actually left a lot on the table too. I mean, he only he only threw he threw for less than sixty percent. So I would be a little concerned if I'm the if I'm the Patriots. Um, I, I'd be a little concerned if I'm Bill Belichick because not only did you have turnovers, but you didn't generate points and your defense wasn't able to shut down a guy who supposedly he's always, oh, that's funny. Um, he's, he's always supposedly um, not that good to it. Like, I mean, I guess he's accurate, but like a lot of people say that Tua doesn't understand certain. They made him schemes. look a lot better than he really is. Right. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying is that he, I'd be a little concerned. I'd be a little concerned about that. Like what? What happens when you face a good quarterback? Now the well, see the biggest concern for me wasn't that game; it's the games after the Jets. Look at the first six weeks that the Patriots have. There's a potential if they don't if they don't straighten the defensive issues out that they could go two and two and four in the right. first six games. Right. That's, that's yeah. True. That's the danger. That's what you worry about. You just proved my point, Jay. <laughs> oh, I read the comments. You guys are funny. You guys are goofballs. <laughs> um. But that's like that. That is that's a that's a legitimate concern. It's I mean, it you should. I'm not saying hit the panic button yet. Like don't press no. panic and go DefCon five. You know, red alarms going. Make sure on everyone's doing their job now. though. But it, it it they they definitely do, or they definitely did. Like the defense did get exposed a little bit, and they need to. There's some stuff that absolutely has to be cleaned up. And the one thing that you saw in that Patriots Miami game that is not is not common for Patriots play, teams, offense and defense, 
a ton. They had 88, I think 88 yards of penalties in that game. Holy and crap. Pelichick, and that that type of stuff, that 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 you know, that that type of stuff where you don't play fundamentally smart football and, and you're making mistakes like that, that drives Bill crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I exactly. And it's not what the Patriots have been about the last 20 years. And I think when you lose your actual leader, you gotta rebuild that. Yeah. That's true. Now, we're going to hop aboard the New England versus the world plane and fly <laughs> probably about a thousand miles east and landed in landed in Chicago. And let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the Bears game. Oh, oh Lord, JD, I, I want to get your I want to get your initial you being the Bears fan. I want to get your initial thoughts um, on on the Bears game. Oh my God, man. Frustration is the first word that comes to mind. Uh, confusion too. A lot of confusion. Um, I was defending Matt Nagy for like months, dude. I literally, I've been defending him for months. I've been sitting here like, Oh man, Matt Nagy, he's a great coach. He brought us to the playoffs two out of three years. You know, people are always trashing him, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I, and I had nothing but good things to say about Matt Nagy. And then he pulls this shit. Like, what the <laughs> hell is what the hell was that? I don't even I don't even know what the hell that was. I mean, the, the play calling, I feel like he was pretending. I feel like he was pretending that Andy Dalton was like. I don't even know who he thought Andy Dalton was. He was trying to make these throws that I've like, I just don't see Andy Dalton ever making, even whenever like whenever Andy Dalton was with the Bengals, right? This is the best Andy Dalton I can remember. He had these big receivers. They would kind of do these hook routes. He'd have screens. There'd be a good, strong running game. That, what I saw, was not the Bengals of, of, of like, the 20, uh, 2010s. That wasn't the Bengals. That was, like, I don't even know what that was. That was, like, an air raid offense or something with a little bit of mix of, like, option or I don't even – there's so many different things that I saw, and that's not what Andy Dalton is. You know who is that type of quarterback, though? And we actually have him on the roster. It's weird. And he actually <laughs> played a little bit and scored a touchdown. Weird. It's crazy. His name's Justin Fields. He's sitting on the bench. And we saw a little <laughs> bit of him. And then he looked really good. And then they just take him out. It's just the weirdest thing. I, I don't understand. It was so strange. It was just strange. Uh-huh. It was the worst Andy Dalton I've ever seen. Period. It was worse than he was the Cowboys. Anytime with the Bengals. It was awful. I don't know who Matt Nagy thinks Andy Dalton is, but that's not him. Jake, what did, did you? What are your initial thoughts on that game? What the hell was that? Oh my lord! You know, it, and it, it was, was weird because it was bad. It was bad, like bad. But you know what, though, I'm not completely surprised because of the fact of this is exactly what the type of performances you're going to get out of beige water pistol majority of the time. So it's <laughs> like it, it, it's just that, and I understood what the process was with you know the the Bears because first of all. You're trying to groom up Justin Fields the best way possible. Um, and I, I just truly think that right now with the way that the Bears are looking, you might as well just throw him out there. You might as well because this is the funny thing. All five quarterbacks, all five rookie quarterbacks this week scored touchdowns. Yeah. That's the yeah. only one I have a serious concern with with that Bears offense because at that point, 
Somebody's not executing their job. The other worst part is this is how bad you see that they're desperate for Kyle Fuller. They miss him because at that point you are, how does Cooper cup get wide open all the way downfield? Somebody miscued in the backfield. And then there's times where Robert Woods would end up getting open and you know, it, it, it was just a tough, Eddie tough Jackson game for them. Like crap. Yeah, Eddie Jackson My, was not. Uh, hey, we'll, we'll get to we'll we'll Who get we'll get that? to we'll get to that. Right. We'll we'll get to that, JD. Believe me, I, I believe me. I, I got I got some I got some stuff I just want to feed you and get your instant reactions on. Who is Eddie Jackson? So, so let's stick let's stick to fields for now. All right, yeah. sorry. All right. Once Feels. again, once again, you you and all of Bears all of Bear the Bears Nation everywhere get a little taste of what a Justin Fields offense would look like. And it's, it's, we're not going to the Super Bowl. So just like put it, our team sucks. Like the offensive line sucks. The defensive line sucks. The secondary sucks. We're not going to the Super Bowl. Put Justin Fields in there. Let him fail as, until he's good. And then we'll be a good team again. I don't understand what the like, where the like logic is anymore. Like I, at first I thought, okay, you put Andy Dalton in, but if you're not going to be a, like conservative as hell, when he's in there, if you're not just going to run the ball, run the ball, run, which they did. Okay. I'll give him a little credit. Montgomery played well. Montgomery played well. The inside uh, interior line. I just think that, I just think that you might as well do it at this point. You're so, teased yeah. it. You kind of, you kind of took your interior line center and both guards played really, really good. The center and both guards played very, very well. Um, Montgomery ran between the tackles really well uh uh he had 108 on the ground he was good for montgomery that, that and he he was by far i think one of the best players on the field for chicago well and then you might as well if you're gonna have him run you also might as well have justin fields because then then you're having i don't know this just things that i feel like matt Nagy made a promise to andy dalton and he's and he's taking that and i get promises are important but I think he's putting the promise over his his like actual job, and he's not looking at the performance. And the performance matters, dude. Like I don't care if I promise an offensive lineman, oh, you're the starter, man. If you suck and you just let him get sacked every time, you're gonna get replaced. Period. I don't care what I. You want to know? You want to know what the funny thing of it is? Is that even when I looked at that offensive line, that offensive line was horrible. I thought they would have looked much, much better than this. I did like, too. That's oh, around. The, that's part of the reason why so you probably want Fields out there to run out of those pressures. So, so here's what I, here's what I took out of the offensive line from Chicago. Like I told you, the interior of it played very well. Your center and both guards Cody Whitehair and played played very very well. Both both guards and the in, the interior linemen were not the problem. It was it was around the edges. Your tackle play in that game was terrible. They were they were awful. We just now, cut somebody. I forgot who um, or something. Yeah, they're not good. Yeah, so the 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 offensive line not 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 good. Now, um, there wasn't a lot of good coming out. Like, so the one uh, uh, the good point is that once again we we kind of alluded to it earlier. We got a little Bears fans everywhere got a little taste of what that offense would look like if Justin Fields was running it, and it looked pretty good. Um. And the other thing too yeah. that you could that you could clearly notice, even though it was a very very small sample size, 
Dalton looks lost when it comes to pocket awareness and being, you know, just, just, he doesn't look comfortable in a pocket anymore. And like, we talked off cam off, off camera, off show JD, that, that if you know that, like, you're not going to be able to compete, you know, and make or making the playoffs is a long shot. You know exactly what you get with Andy Dalton. He's been in the league long enough where you know what you're going to get out of him. You know what he is, what he brings to the table, what he's capable of, where his ceiling is. With Fields, you you think, you have an idea of what you can do with him, what the offense looks like, uh, how you could use him. And we, you said it perfectly. If you know, like, like, if you know, you're not going to like, like, if you know, you're going to struggle in the division, you might as well give, give the kid a shot and kind of trial by fire and let him, let him learn and let him take his lumps on the fly and just, just go with it. Look at Justin Herbert. They had the worst or second or third worst offensive line in the league. And Justin Herbert came out there last year and he played really well. He was a rookie. And people talked crap about him in college, too. They said, oh, he's not this, he's not that, he's not doing this. And he comes in, lights the league on fire. So far, every single time Justin Fields gets in, he looks like he's about to light the league on fire. And then Matt Nagy's like, no, stop. I need to put it in my red rocket. I, I remember people did the same thing they did to Field. They did to Herbert to Fields. They talked down the pick. They, didn't, they, they, they were questioning whether Herbert's style – of play would translate. Would they, would they be able to translate it because of, of, of the chargers, you know, weak, weak points, the O line, but Herbert made it work. I would have made it work. And he, he absolutely tore it up. So like I I said, quarterback rating of 99.6 under duress, you know, in a terrible offensive line like that definitely shows you like, think about it this way. I mean, hypothetically, you look at certain situations where you deal with chaos. If this kid could literally do it with this much chaos, imagine what he would look like with a more stable, um, a much more stable structure and even a much more stable management. That's where I think that comes down to when you look at Justin Fields and this offensive line. If Justin Fields, like right now with an offensive line that's allowing pressures to come in, they're not executing their blocks, and Andy Dalton... I agree with you. The fact that he is a pocket-type quarterback but can't run out of the pocket for nothing, that's where I think you're you're starting to see that of where they really need to make that initial move. And that's where Matt Nagy cannot afford to be conservative because if he's much more conservative this year with his play calls, he there's going to be a reason why he'll be on the hot seat too along with Ryan Pace. Oh, yeah, they'll, the crank the of, they'll crank the heat up on him, absolutely. Exactly. So at the same time, when it came to, you know, Justin Herbert and Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn was very conservative. And I keep saying, execute the plays and get aggressive. Why are we continuously playing Safeway? Because that never works. That never worked against Tampa. That never worked against New Orleans. And it certainly never worked against New England. That's where I'm like, they got to stop getting conservative with this. Let him loose. Let him see see exactly what the potential he has around him. And because I guarantee you, him and Allen Robinson will click. So yeah, no doubt. give him those opportunities. I think Fields is I think Fields is like literally the only chance that Matt Nagy even has left anymore to keep his job. Because at this point, I and like I was the one defending him like a few weeks ago. And at this point, though, I would have rather had Nick Foles out there 
because at least I know what Nick Foles is and what he's not. And I think that Nick Foles, there's a few down the field throws that I think Nick Foles would have made. And I don't think Andy Dalton can make. And that's the thing. If you're not good in the pocket, you're, you're not a good thrower and you're a statue in the pocket. What are you even there for? You're literally just a name that was good six or seven years ago. Like, I don't want a name. I want someone who's going to be good now. And also, yeah, when I say that he's the only chance left for Matt Nagy's job, this is the way I see it. If Fields doesn't work out in the next two or three years, they're definitely going to get rid of him. For sure. No question. So you might as well just go all in and say, all right, Justin, you have my job. You have Ryan's job. And the thing is, I'm not I'm not looking forward. I don't want to get rid of Matt Nagy at all. I want it to work out because I'm I don't want to go back to the John Fox days. I don't yeah. want to go back to the to the what was his name? Tressman. I don't want to go back to those days anymore. I actually like Matt Nagy. I actually want this to work out, but I feel like he's screwing this up. I feel like it's pretty obvious we all know what what needs to happen, and he just doesn't want to go back on his word. And sometimes you kind of like you kind of talk yourself into a corner, and that's not good because this is the point where it's like it doesn't matter what you think. This is what needs to happen. We need to put him in. And I actually agree. I think if he's not in by by week four, I'm going to start calling for his job. Just saying. Now, now here's so week. let's transition to. From offensive, from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball for Chicago. Oh, good. They they struggled big time on the defensive side. Their their pass rush took about three quarters to wake up, and by that time it was too late. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, so the the slow pass rush was they woke up about midway through the third quarter finally. And the the next point I want to. I was going to ask you, JD. So, so the pass rush being slow to to kind of get get going, um, and on top of that, the I personally I think Khalil Mack was running all over the field trying to do way too much than what he's normally asked to do, and the back end of it, Jackson in spe- specifically played hard. They ate they ate him up. All game long. So what do you what do you what do you think on those points? Uh, you want to go first, Jake? Yeah, go I'll ahead. go ahead. Um, go yeah, ahead. I, I mean that's ultimately where, like I said, there were a lot of struggles that were happening within that secondary, and at the same time, I mean Eddie Jackson was not playing his best. It clearly shows that Chicago was missing Kyle Fuller a bunch because that was going to be your other shutdown secondary player that. Could have, that could have really, you know, took down a lot of those passes. And it was surprising to me because the only team that has faced Matthew Stafford several times within their division that you'd think they'd know. Because at the same time, we didn't even see Stafford take snaps with the Rams team, not even in preseason. So it really questioned me. I wasn't sure how we were going to see Stafford perform, but I think it clearly shows. Has a better O-line, has a lot of better weapons, and is trustworthy when it comes to throwing the deep ball downfield and scoring big-time points. But that's where I think the rest of the Chicago's defense really needs to start to button up. I mean, everybody has to end up, you know, stepping themselves up because a defense like Chicago's that I thought would have been just fine clearly shows that there's still some holes that they need to fill in order for them to be that shutdown-type defense they were. I have no idea 
who Eddie Jackson is anymore. I, I don't even know who this man, like, I, I don't know, like, who's replaced him. Like, this is a case of mistaken identity. This guy was one of the greatest. What have you done with Jackson? League. Who is this guy and what have you done with Jackson? Who is this? Like, I don't even, I'm unaware of this person. Like, it seems like we got rid of Fuller and we lost two guys. We lost Fuller and Jackson. We got rid of Fuller. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if they just had really good chemistry. And then Jalen Johnson, or uh, yeah, he's just not getting it. I, I'm not, I don't know what it is. Um, and I can't, I couldn't tell you. And it's very unfortunate for Jackson because he was about to get a lot of money, I think. Um, and it's, and that's, that's very, very unfortunate. Uh, and it's, it's just one of those things where, yeah, I, I don't know if we have the talent on the back end to even compete this year for the division. We had a golden opportunity here to steal one. We really did, especially if we would have started fields. Uh, and we couldn't really, like you said, we couldn't even sniff Stafford, sniff him. Like he wasn't even close to him. And then I think Hicks started to get to him at the end, but at that time, game was out of reach and it didn't it was really too, matter it was too, by the time the bears pass rush woke up it was it was too late so it's yeah. just uh yeah it's a sad it's a sad story we do have a, an easier an easier schedule going forward the week one was pretty hard but i just don't know if if that's how we look every week is lost there's like as you said if we just look lost every week then yeah it's gonna be a long season for chicago fans it's gonna be real bad yeah <laughs> at least now, the holes are good doing good our special guest of the afternoon is a Charger fan, and it just so happens we have some Charger topics that I can fire off and, and get his thoughts on. So let's talk about the the L.A. Chargers game one, Jake. Um, your, your initial thoughts coming out of that game. So there are still some things to work on first off, but you know what, though? I smiled like heavily in the very first possession that the chargers had, they had 75 yards altogether on that specific play. They had six different plays that they executed and they scored the touchdown. Like it was the cleanest possession I've ever seen this chargers team do. And I was like, if we do that consistently all season long, we have a chance. We seriously have a chance to do that. It doesn't even like, and the funny thing of this is the offensive line only allowed 12% of pressures on Justin, on Justin Herbert, which is the biggest upgrade. And you know what? Like I said, fuck ESPN. <laughs> fuck a lot of people who ended up thinking that the Chargers were going to lose the game because it's week one. And they're like, oh, Fitz magic. Fitz magic is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, well, Fitzmagic didn't even last that long now. in the first quarter. Fitzmagic didn't last the game. News flash. Right. The charge the Chargers ate him alive and now he's right. on IR. Right, exactly. I mean, there are still some cleanups that this Chargers team needs to do. First of all, the run defense. Antonio Gibson was giving us serious problems at times when it came to run defense. And he kept on finding holes that he was going to run through, whether it was just running the football or uh pass catching. So that was one thing I think the Chargers need to work on and fix to eliminate that in the next outing because you got Zeke and the Cowboys coming into LA. So I did I did like the performance Justin Herbert put up with one interception, one touchdown, and 340 passing yards. But at the same time, what really made me happy is that Brandon Staley in his first ever coaching start was aggressive. 
He never gave up on plays. He was not conservative. And the best thing was on a fourth and one when the Chargers needed it the most to put pressure on Ron Rivera, they gave a quarterback sneak for Justin Herbert to cross the line and they got the first down. I said, finally, that is it. That is what we needed. Stop mm-hmm. getting scared and let the kid play. Like that's exactly what the Chargers did, right? Um, they they allowed only 16 points to an opposing offense. I can only imagine what they're going to do against Dallas with Dak, Zeke, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper, but they better be ready for it by this next up and coming week. But I was very impressed with the offensive line. And by the way, 49 snaps. Rayshon Slater played against Chase Young. Zero sacks. Zero pressures. And and zero hits. I want to throw something at you, Jake. I don't know if you were aware of these numbers, but this is just so this is by quarter breakdown of the yards per play on first down for the chargers. So I want to know if this is concerning to you or, or not. So first quarter, 5.8 yards per yards per play on first down. The second quarter, it goes down to 4.3. The third, 3.2. And then fourth, it ticked up just a little bit to 3.9. So does it concern you that they they dropped that they that they dropped, or is it just them switch maybe switching game plan and trying to control clock more than than anything? I think it I, I think it's a mixture of that. I mean, it, it is something where they're trying to, you know, manage the clock at times because first and foremost, you want the lead and you also want the time on your side. I mean, that's initially what coaches do. Well, you know, you look at Bill Belichick, he loves to control the time, knows how much time that there is in the game and wants to execute plays to get new England leads. And it's kind of the same. Even when you look at the opposing Ron Rivera, I mean, he's very defensive minded. That's what was so tough about that defense with Montez sweat, chase young, and even Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Davis, like, it was a lot of really, really good things that um, that I really liked about how they were executing as far as time management goes. But they are working through that. They're, they're all kind of getting used to everybody. I mean, this is also a year where we've had preseason, we've had OTAs, so we have no idea how everybody's going to click, who their favorite targets are, and how they're going to manage things. So I think that's part of they needed to manage the clock. But at the same time, I'm just very happy that it did not go any lower than that. They were still finding ways to kind of sneak themselves back up to where they were going to stay steady. But I guarantee you the more and more they work through this, like I said, through week four, week five, they're going to find their spots and they're going to eventually um, start to start to get a streak going and they'll start clicking. Hopefully. Hopefully, but we're so far so good for the, for the chargers. So far, so good. Once again, though, Jake, I know you got to get rolling because you got your own show to pick up, brother. Thanks for coming on, and we appreciate Absolutely. your time, big guy. We will definitely be working with you again in the future. Everybody, Absolutely. check out the so, Snake Sports um, Talk Show. If somebody could do me a, a favor and drop Jake's, yeah, I'll grab it. Uh, yeah, yeah, if you could do that. So, yeah, the link to Jake's channel is going to be in the chat. Jake, thanks again, buddy, for the time. And we will definitely be working with you again soon. Love Jake. By the way, Thank fuck you. your team and see you later. Oh my God. <laughs> y'all, y'all could go fuck yourselves, but hey, you know, Owen, Owen won. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be saying that for a long time, and you both are victims.
We finally got the first <laughs> win. We're in the win column, bitches. <laughs> All, right. All right, buddy. We'll see you later. Have a good one. Take, take care, guys. Peace out, brother. Good to see you. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> that was funny. All right, so yeah, let's channel. let's um let's get him to five hundred. So let's uh yeah. So there's Jake's uh link, guys. Um. Uh, so the chat had said it before too. Somebody uh. Um, Abel, I'm excited that the, the Spanos is a, is a wild card. He's it, it, it's, you know, a lot of it's up to him because he has, uh, he finally has the ship kind of pointed in the right direction and it's, it's going to be on ownership and coaches to keep it that way. So he does, they do have a point there. Spanos too. I've heard rumors that they might sell the team. So if that if that, that could change everything, you, you never know. But I've I've heard I've heard those rumors for like three seasons. That's true. I don't know I've heard that a few times. I don't know how. I've heard it a couple of like like over the years, probably the last three seasons. It's it's kind of got more more momentum than usual. But for a yeah. while, they've you know what I mean. No, yeah, it's I. They've said that for a while. It seems like they're clinging on to the team as much as they can. But for um, the reason why they have to sell it, I guess, is because they're going bankrupt in a bunch of other businesses or something like that. A bunch well, of other if Spanos, hearsay. If Spanos did sell the team, it might not be a bad thing for for LA for the Chargers. It, it might not be a bad thing because they he's been a big part of the problem for for years down uh, out there out west. He, oh, I think he, Chargers fans would love that. <laughs> that that's what I'm saying. I, I I I think a lot of the true like diehard Charger fans that have really followed the team from. San Diego to LA and you know, that, that really do, you know, that are real charger fans. Um, I think they realize how Spanos can be toxic to that team. And, and, you know, he's, he's made some questionable moves. Yeah, no question. You need a good owner to win a championship. You do. It's, it's important. So let's kind of, let's move it down. JD, we're going to go to the, um, uh, I got a 40, a good 40, a good, uh, friend of mine 49er fan in here uh the a-bomb what's up buddy um uh, thanks for uh tuning in but so we're gonna talk about the niners and the the lions game real quick here okay. uh, not much to really hit on they i mean me and you had pretty much t said that this was like a gonna be a pre like this the niners were gonna, little, gonna take the lions apart yeah it was interesting um because the Niners did exactly what we thought they were going to do, but then, right whenever, uh, right whenever they kind of slowed up the the brakes or whatever, they kind of right when they kind of they, they took the their foot. You could tell when yeah. they took their foot off the gas. Then Goff, you know, and and Hawkinson showed what they've been working on, and uh, you know, like we said, Goff is no slouch. He's not. He's not a total. He's not a total. Um, he's a pretty good. He's a pretty good quarterback. He's mid, mid, he's middle, mid, middle, yeah. middle guy. He's not. He's not terrible. He's not as bad as a lot of people are saying. Um, give him a good tight end like Hawkinson. He can make some some things happen. But obviously, the 49ers are so so much better in every single way. But than... you saw, you physically could if you watch that game, yeah. right? If you watch that game, you could physically see that the Niners just were like they they took their foot off the gas and went like they were absolutely like they were taking that team apart. Like it wasn't oh, yes. like. Like they could have dropped fifty if they wanted. They could have. I mean, 
they could have done whatever they, they whatever they really wanted to, but I feel like they were just trying to drain the clock towards the end, and the Lions were just like, you know what? Let's get as much momentum. The Niners gave them the, the Niners gave them the first 10, 15 yards of the field because they knew that they knew that for Sam Fran, that's like we know, like this is a a a, a, a tune up, like a, just a warm up game for like a game. You know what I mean? The, well, if I'm a Lions fan, I'm not as bummed as I could have been. I feel like it could have been a 41 to like. 10. Yeah, but garbage time doesn't matter. They scored how many points yeah. in garbage time where the Niners stopped trying? I just think that's true. They stopped trying. Uh, he said, never blow them out too bad. Show them your cards. I like that. The A-bomb says it was a tune-up game. Lions came back in the second and the third strings. Yeah, yeah that, and that's, that's the what thing. I mean. They took, their, they took their foot off the accelerator. The Niners could have dropped 45 on them with ease. I just think that the, that the Lions obviously, like, if you're a Lions fan, God help you. God help you. Uh, good hang out with you, Water King. Uh, if you're a Lions fan, God help you. But I think that you could do a lot worse than Jared Goff. That's all I'm trying to say. And, and TJ Hawkinson. So I think they have something to work with. I just hope that they don't do what t- to he- they don't do to TJ Hawkinson what they did to Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders. That's what I hope they don't do because he is a hell of a talent. And I hope they don't just like run him into the ground. That's all. That's all I kind of hope with the Lions because what do hey, they're never going to compete? What do what do all of these legendary franchises have in common? The Niners, the Steelers, the the all the the the, the Niners, the Steelers, the the Patriots, the the Cowboys. Like maybe not so much the Cowboys in the last twenty five years, but but. All of the 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 multiple Super Bowl winning team, like all of the teams this deck this probably in the last twenty to twenty five years, the the owners of the team leave it alone. They let football people yeah. do football things. That's one hundred percent right. The ownership right. of the Niners lets the football people make the decisions, and, and, and you know, the, you could tell a poorly run franchise. And, and, a, and a franchise that knows what they're doing and how to run things. Yeah, no question. I think that it's very – like Robert Kraft, as much as he wanted to – you know, he only interviewed one time in, in like the 20 years that Belichick – as far as I know, that, that Belichick and him were together. And that was when, you know, he wanted to replace Brady at the age of 39. And uh, that was when Belichick wanted to replace Brady – so I think that like that tells you a lot about like what good ownership does a lot. And, and then you look on the flip side, Jerry Jones, which I don't think he's the worst owner in the league, but he's awfully obnoxious and you never really know what you're going to get with the Cowboys because of him. Cause he says yeah. a lot of things. So he made the, he made the worst decision in Cowboys history to let Jimmy Johnson walk out the door. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then Bill Parcells too. Yep. yep. Oh yeah. Two, he's had a two, few guys. Two legendary coaches because Jones couldn't swallow his pride and do what good owners do and just sit up in his luxury suite and sign the sign the checks and let the football people worry about football things. That's I mean that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed as an owner you're supposed to be a fan. You're not the GM, but Jerry Jones thinks he is the GM. So far, <laughs> I would say this is the best team he's ever put together. <laughs> Bell Hall is funny. Hey. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. At least he's just, he's just, there ain't nothing wrong with that at when all. People bro. freaked out about that. I was like, so <laughs> like what? 
What is what is the problem here? ESPN's like clutching their pearls. Oh my god, he's doing this. Oh my god. It's like ESPN, you guys are so full of shit. All right. So one thing that did come out of that 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 Lions game though was uh Okuda ended up oh, yeah. with a with a ruptured right. Achilles. Terrible. That's gonna and he's done for the year. He's done That's for awful. the year. That hurts the Lions like like that that's that is a major major blow to that lion to the lions they thought they were going to be bad before and now now they they don't even know what they got anymore they might just have hawkinson it's pretty bad well just on the like the, the like okuda it, them losing him is they they're that's not good what what are they what's the cornerstone of their d now you know what i mean <laughs> That's funny. I mean, the, the Lions playing defense, that's that's a funny cornerstone. I mean, shoot. The best there, defensive there player. That's yeah. what I'm saying. There, there is none now. There is There's nothing none. for them. They, I mean, they always seem to have a rookie, and he always ends up on another team. They always have a great, oh, top first-round pick rookie, and he's going to be so good, and then he ends up on another team in three years. That's yeah. the Lions for you. So I couldn't I, – I don't – I don't know, man. The Lions so, – I got nothing to say about the Lions. <laughs> They're just trash. They're just a poorly run franchise. We've said yeah. it over and over in nausea. And the Niners are great. So, they, no, they're 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 a very efficient, very well run oiled machine. They run it the way it should be. Like, there's a reason they have multiple Super Bowls. There's a reason that there, there's a reason why they have the amount of the, the they have all those Super Bowl trophies stacked up there. There is a reason. Yeah, and how can you? I mean, yeah, exactly. They're they're so. Um, consistent and they they hire good people they hire the good people they, they hired kyle shanahan and john lynch and um you know before that they had bill walsh and well way before I think that. the front office of of san fran works well together that's why they that's why they're Jim that's why they've been as good as they have been for the last couple of seasons they, they work well together no question what's the next uh so the golf versus stafford saga kind of continues oh, yeah. here <laughs> That's right. Staff, uh, Stafford, remember how we had talked about that this was going to be a very kind of like interesting storyline to follow through the season because they sw- they swapped teams and um uh what's um I don't think uh, it changed anything to be honest. No no no, no. Uh, I'm trying to the the um uh McVay. There we go. Sean McVay. Um he threw a little bit of shade um, over towards Jared Goff after watching, you know, Stafford, Stafford's performance there. What did he say? I missed that. It, it was just throwing shade about how he finally has a guy that can execute his oh, system he finally, the right yeah. way. He's always saying stuff like that. I think there was something to do with, uh, they have a beef. They have a beef. Goff and, and McVeigh, they don't talk to each other anymore. Um, there was one thing, it's just probably bull crap, but, Hey, we, we talk about bullcrap on this show because why not? Uh, somebody said that that Goff was DMing uh, Sean McVay's wife or something like that. Yeah, on, I heard on those rumors. You hear that? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it just goes – I think that Sean McVay and Jared Goff legitimately hate each other. It probably stems back to the Super Bowl loss. Um, yeah. And I think but that yeah. – I put that – dude, I put that on McVay. I put I mean, a lot, oh, I put I mean granted Jared puts Goff, on Goff. <laughs> granted Jared Goff didn't didn't execute well in that game. Um yeah, but McVay that's because he ran into Bill Belichick. 
Yeah, it was it was it was an amazing it was an amazing defensive scheme by Belichick. They really did shut them down and tremendous in that game. What was that 2018, 2019, something like that? And and McVeigh, man, exactly. McVeigh probably blames Goff, and Goff probably blames McVeigh. Uh, Goff's probably sick of hearing McVeigh scream, and and McVeigh's probably sick of Goff's passive aggressive attitude and stuff. And and uh, I think it's better for everyone. I think it's better for everyone. And and this is it. McVeigh has his guy now. There's no excuses now. There's no just like, oh well, he wasn't, he didn't execute my plays. Well, no, you got a guy. You chose him. He's you handpicked him. So no excuses now. I do think Stafford will do better than Goff, though. I, I, I think do. So I think I think Stafford stands in a pocket and delivers better than Jared Goff does. I think I, I just I think I think they're I think the Rams are a better team with Stafford than they are with Goff. <laughs> Val Hallis says that he's not even sure the Lions Lions owner know they have a football team. It's you also have to hire the right guys too. You can't just like hire just like dumb people and let them run your franchise for twenty years. That's that don't that won't work out either. It was. It was. It was Belichick's game plan and defense that 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 ultimately did did in Goff and in that Goff and the Rams offense. It was he he coached circles around Sean McVay that whole game, and he and McVay and at the end of the game, McVay knew it. McVay knew it. I just think that there's no way that you could ever tell McVay that like McVay is not going to accept that as an answer like oh he's just is smarter than you it's like no he's going to say he's going to say Goff was the problem because he in his mind he's going to think well if everyone if everything executed every if everyone executed everything perfectly then it's going to be 100 like there's gonna be 41 points at the board that's yeah. what he expects so if your expectations are messed up then then get a new quarterback <laughs> It's going to be. It is going to be an interesting kind of saga to follow through the season because they, they, the the Lions need Goff to perform. Like they need him to hit, or they're they're in trouble. You know, they're they're in trouble if he, if they don't if if he doesn't if he doesn't play up to his potential. The, the Lions are going to be in trouble. They need him to perform. Yeah, I think he had a good day. Yeah, he, no, just, he did. He did. Yeah. But they do. They need him to they deliver. They, you know, week in and week out, game in game out. He he needs to produce. I think if you literally replaced Goff with with Stafford, like on the Lions, no change, no change at all. It would have been the same score. Uh, I just think that yeah, as long as everyone's comf- more comfortable, I think Goff probably has more say because he's the big money man in uh, in Detroit. And I think that, yeah, McVay's happier. So it's kind of like, yeah, everyone's happier in this situation and the Lions suck. And that's just pretty normal. Yeah, same outcome, exactly. So let's go over to the uh, – let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, <laughs> did, you get to, did you get to watch that game or, or no? I was on red zone. It was on red zone. So I didn't like watch play-by-play. But, man, Aaron Rodgers sucks. That was awesome. So my first question to you would be, has Rodgers finally hit that that wall, or is it one of those instances where he's going to go, relax, guys, it's one game, and we can pick it back up? What do you – I don't know. Do I don't know think? if relax guy is back. I, he, was, he was contemplating retirement in the offseason, so I don't know if relaxed guy is back. Like, if he can – the relaxed guy, that was 2017 Rodgers, man. That was that was like some legit Rodgers right there. And this Rodgers, I don't know, man. He just doesn't look like he looks like he was like he was 
overwhelmed, confused, lost, uh, slow, and uh, and I don't think it had anything to do with his team, bro. His t- Aaron Jones played well. The offensive line wasn't that bad. Rodgers couldn't make up his mind down his progressions. He just would kind of just hold the ball and wait and wait and wait for the perfect throw, and it never came, and he never made the right throw, and it just wasn't good. I don't know if it's a situation where he needs to, like, he didn't have a good offseason, obviously, so he needs to – work his way into it. But if that's the case, I'm looking at it like, bro, I don't need you, Rogers. Trade his ass. If if you're really gonna come at me like like, oh I you know, I'm not gonna play well, put Jordan Love in there. Who cares? Like I, I'm just saying I, I don't think Rogers is 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 all that anymore. See you you kinda me and you are kind of in agreement on one thing that it was not the it was not for lack of time. The O line was was serviceable in that game. They were they were more than serviceable. That was Rodgers holding on to the football way too long and and also being gun-shy to pull the trigger when he needed to. <laughs> Val Hall is probably right. Well, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, I No, I agree. Rodgers, uh, he, he, he wasn't – he didn't pull the trigger. He probably will have a better week next week, I would imagine. I don't think he's totally done, but I don't think he's a top-five quarterback anymore. He was on the top 100. Uh, I think last year, everything was clicking on all cylinders. I think that Rodgers really believed in his heart of hearts, believed last year that they would win the Super Bowl. I think he believed that they had everything. And I think that this year now, he's just demoralized. I think he's just beyond like demoralized and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't actually, um, he doesn't have that fire anymore, man. He doesn't have the fire that he had last year. That once, once uh, that one play where basically, Matt LaFleur trusted the defense over Rodgers. Ever since that play, dude, I think he's just been – he's checked out. hes He's been like, you know what, dude, screw this. And and he is a diva. Valhalla said in the chat, he said he'll probably go off next week and ESPN will eat it, eat it up because he loves the attention. I can totally see that. His, his mood swings. He'll probably be in a great mood next week. Everything will be perfect. And all of a sudden, bam, like they play really well. So, But if I'm the Packers, I don't – I'm not dealing with this shit anymore. <laughs> He's been a diva forever, though. Let's let's be. It's not like his attitude has changed. They just kind of put up with it there in Green Bay because of his skill set. Yeah, exactly. He he really thought last year was the year. He thought it was the MVP Super Bowl MVP season, and uh, and and this year, it, or just it didn't work out. And I don't think it, I don't know if it will. I don't know if it will Tom man. Brady said, "No Super Bowl for you. No Super Bowl for you. No soup for you. <laughs> no Super Bowl for you." He was the MVP last year. Yeah, exactly. And he thought he would win. He felt like he felt like he would win it all. Oops. Come on, get back in there. <laughs> oh, camera cut out. Okay. Start back up. All right. So last topic of go. the uh last topic of the podcast before sure. we uh take fan questions, JD. Uh, let's talk about the Saints and I mean, their, yeah. their dominant win. The defense, the offense, Jameis Winston with five touchdowns. Um, let's uh, let's talk about that for a second. What were your what were your thoughts on on old crab legs there? And Dude, his he was locked in. He was locked in. And, and the thing is, and what I love about it the most, my favorite thing is. And because I have Alvin Kamara on fantasy, my favorite thing is the game plan <laughs> for the Saints is literally just Alvin Kamara 
everything. Just here, give it here, Alvin, here, Alvin, here, Alvin, every single play. And I think that um that Winston he took it because what what they're doing right now is really good. And I thought and I saw Drew Brees talk about it. That's a that's a Super Bowl contending team. I'm gonna say it right now. That's a super is Goose here. Your team, Super Bowl, it's possible. There's one reason why. When Jameis is locked in and he has a great running game and he has a play action where the guy's wide open, Jameis is great. The reason why Jameis had all those wide open passes is because Alvin Kamara and the offensive line was just feasting. It was absolutely tor- torching that, that defense, yeah. 150 yards and only five touchdowns. So literally he never threw the ball. Unless it was in the end zone, pretty much. Like it was like maybe three well, or four throws th- besides he that. He only threw it 20 times. Only he went 14 times. for 20 for 150 and five touchdowns. So one fourth of his throws were in the end zone, man. So that tells me right there. Or yeah, Tony Jones for sure. Well, that that run game is what I'm saying is amazing. So they don't need at all to use Jameis at all. They don't need to rely on him. The Bucks were like, all right, we're going to give Jameis the ball. Let him throw us to victory. And Jameis actually wasn't that bad. He threw for 5,000 yards. Problem is he'd also throw for three picks a game. So it wasn't good. But what, what, um, what's his name? Damn it. Sean Payton's doing is saying, all right, dude, I want to use what you're good at and take away what you're bad at. I'm not going to let you just throw the throw 50 times a game and throw three interceptions. I'm going to run the ball 30 times a game, throw it, where you're comfortable throwing it, and we're going to get it done. I think this is Sean Payton's just handiwork, and that makes them a Super Bowl contender. The last thing I'll say is Drew Brees talked about it um, on NBA. Did you, did you see that? Yeah, yeah they did ask him home. about it. Yes, yes. And he was just joking. He's just like, huh, yeah, the uh, over-the-top game is finally back in New Orleans. And he jokes about that. I'm just like, that's that's great. You can joke about that because – it's true. I mean, his his arm was deteriorating. Well, I, I think the bigger surprise was the defense. Oh, God, they were incredible. The Saints defense was incredible. Me they that were much great. Against Rodgers, they made him look like shit. They made him look like dog shit. So, they did. I think the bigger uh, – granted, Jameis Winston performed well, and he – like that was a – they called a great game for – like oh, you God, yeah. hit on it. They called a great game for Jameis where they didn't put him into situations where he – that you know, like it was it was throwing balls that he felt comfortable with and in air, you know, and in places on the field where he could throw it accurately. You know, they put him – they put him in the best shape to to succeed. Yeah, they did. They, they used the strengths and they maximized everyone else on the team. I think that's that's what they did. They they really everyone uh, played on all cylinders. And I wonder a little bit, and I hate saying this because I would never really think this like on a, in a million years if I didn't just see that performance. I wonder if Drew Brees held them back a little bit last year. I wonder if he held this team back just a tad. Well, there's there was probably some loyalty there, you know, like like course, loyalty yeah. there for what Drew meant to the you know to the team, to the organization, to the city. I don't know if it was if I'd say it held him back, but there was definitely some loyalty there where they, I think they felt that they wanted Drew to leave on his terms, and they didn't want to force him out or for, you know, what I mean, they wanted him to go his way. He deserves that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's what I that's what I say about the Saints. But their their defense against Rodgers was phenomenal. Um, their usage of like you said, Jameis Winston's strengths, you know, throwing it to the spots in the on the field where he felt comfortable with, taking the shots down the field when he, you know, when they were 
when he felt ready and comfortable to do it. I think they managed him very, very well in that game. Um, and the play calling for New Orleans, I thought was great. Well, what's amazing about that is, and the reason why I say this is a Super Bowl contending team is because really all you need is to um to, to become a Super Bowl team, right? You you need just to become like a multi-dimensional team, right? Like offensive and offensively and defensively. And defensively, they're phenomenal. So that you don't need to worry about that. But offensively, they have Winston over the top. They have a few good plays that Winston can execute. And they have an Alvin Kamara and, and Jones and, and, and have a strong offensive line. So when you have all those things going for you, you can't just game plan for Alvin Kamara. You can't just game plan, game plan for Winston either. So if you can't cover, you have to cover over the top and the front now. And I think Sean Payton has executed this perfectly. He realizes what he has, and he's maximizing its potential. And uh, that's why I, I could see it going all the way. Now, the chat brought up uh, brought up a good point. We, I think we, we forget that, that um, Aaron Rodgers participated in no offseason off things for the Packers whatsoever. Oh, he didn't. Yeah, it's, um, I, I blame him for that. Yeah, and uh, it it clearly. I mean, obviously, in the game, obviously, it clearly showed that he he. And then you combine that with his like smug attitude, like attitude, and it just it doesn't make for good. Like that was never going to end well. He said something on the Pat McAfee show that was very telling. He said, uh, "A guy of my stature." And then he alluded to the Hall of Fame in the future. So I think that Rodgers is done with football. I really do. I don't think he's his. I think that mentally he's done with football. I think that when LaFleur screwed him over last year, that was him literally. He like just, he like pushed it aside. And now when he's trying to bring it back, it's not the same mentally. Physically, he may have all the same gifts, but I don't know, man. Three collarbones, collarbone surgeries. I don't know, man. We'll see. He just he he does that though. Like that's been his mo forever. Like he's just a he's. Let, I mean, let's be honest. He's just a, let, let's be honest, JD. He's just a prick. Like the guy's <laughs> just a prick. He is. That's hey, just, I'm a Bears fan. I, I agree. That's just his mentality. He's just a prick. Like he don't care about anybody anybody but himself. Like seriously, it's just his. It's just how he is. He's always been like that. I kind of agree. Um I wouldn't want him as my quarterback right now. I just wouldn't. Um, he's too selfish. He's toxic. Uh, he's very talented, but he's toxic. And you really have to – they were all locked in last year, man. And Tom Brady just took a crap on their on their parade, man. That's yeah. what it was. They were, they were ready for it last year. That was it. That was the year. And now it's just all come crashing down, I think. And I think he's – and I, it's, it's sad because they do have all the same talent. Um, but I think that him is his mentality. I wonder if they would have been better off if he would have just retired. I wonder. I, I'm curious about that. Like, would they be better off if he just if he would have retired and it would have been Jordan Love? Do you think there would have been any difference in that in that game? I did say the same thing about Jason Tatum. I said he was I said he was mentally soft and that he's got a head like a freaking rock. And I stand by <laughs> it. It didn't. I didn't say he wasn't talented. He's absolutely talented. talented. Tatum's one of the better players in the league, but he's as soft as baby shit when it comes to being, when it comes to mental toughness. That's funny. <laughs> and I'll stand by it and I'll say it again. Until oh, yeah. he proves me wrong, I'll keep saying it. 
So, uh, so I'm I'm overreacting to this Packers game. I, I'm going to go ahead and say the Packers suck. Now, until Rodgers, until Rodgers, the, the the Green Bay Packers for a long time now, JD, at, or at least five seasons. How Aaron Rodgers goes is how the Packers go. So if Aaron Rodgers is all over the place mentally and not locked in and not concentrating and not wanting to be a part and buy into the team atmosphere, the Packers are going to struggle. That's holding on the ball too much. It, which it's it's just it's been like that for five seasons. How Aaron Rodgers does is how the Packers do. They got the it revolves that offense revolves around his skill set, and if it's not locked in and not there, they're going to struggle. It's unfortunate for them. Good for me though. <laughs> good for the rest <laughs> of the good for the rest of that division. Maybe we can get our crap together. We have a lot of crap to get together though. So that's all the topics that I got. JD, do you for have sure. a do you have any that you wanted to add in there? Man, we really touched on all of it. It's been it's been a great show, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting week. I'm just yeah. interested. Yeah, week I'm one, excited. Week one was very was a very good week. It was a lot. There was a lot of good football being being played. I'm just yeah. I, I just hope that sooner or later we get Fields in. That's that's just that's all I can say. I just want to get Justin in. I said week four. Yep, and I, I think, think it would right. be the best. I think it's the best time for you guys to make the move because it's a cup, it's a cupcake of a, uh, it's a cupcake game. You know, it's a cupcake game. It's it's the Lions. You guys, should, it, it's that's the best time to bring Fields in. He'll 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 have three full games of watching tape and watching how defenses react to certain situations. He'll have processed three full games. At that point, you know what I mean? At that point, yeah. It'll be the best time to bring him in for him to succeed right away. I don't know exactly like who. This is the last thing I'm going to say about the Bears. I'll I'll wrap it up with this. I don't know where. I don't know. Like Matt Nagy mentioned with the Chiefs. He's like, okay, well, we had Alex Smith and we brought in Patrick Mahomes. That's what we're going to do with Justin Fields. This isn't the Chiefs. We aren't good. I don't know where he thinks he is. We're not good. We're not a good team. We're just not. So put in. So put him in because we're not good, and just let him fail. Like I, I that's just the weird thing to me. I don't like let, it's, let it, him take his let him take his bumps and bruises and and learn. Well, he's acting like Andy Dalton is like Alex Smith. Like he's going to bring us to the playoffs. He's not. He's not going to do that. So once you have accepted that, that Andy Dalton isn't going to bring you to the playoffs, then you can move on to, okay, well, who could maybe bring this to the playoffs? Maybe the rookie can. That's pretty much it. Honestly, Nick Foles is a better chance of bringing us to the playoffs. Just saying. The unknown. Yeah. The, 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 I take the, the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's there's almost it's almost like there's a higher ceiling there. Even though it's an unknown, the possibility of having a higher ceiling is is there. I think there's no question there's a higher ceiling. I just think there's no good. Yeah, they're not on the same level, Karam. They're just not. Like, we're not yet. We hope to be someday, but, like, we need to stop thinking like we're just this perennial playoff team. We're not. We're a borderline 50-50. A bubble, a bubble team. Bubble team, yeah, that needs that. Right now, we're on the – I think we're, we're trending downward on talent-wise. So, with that being said, give, it, give the ball to the rookie. If he, yeah. if he messes let him, up, let him oh, well. roll with it. See if let him roll with it and see if he can use his playmaking ability to make something happen. Exactly. No, that's all I can say. So let's uh, we're gonna 
end the show like we usually do. We'll take some questions from fans and then we will uh, wrap it up. Yes, sir, what do you guys got? What do you guys want to talk about for a bit? He said Nagy's worried, oh, that, Fields worried will- that Fields will crash and burn like Rosen or Donald did. He wants him to sit sit this year. And uh you might be right, he might be thinking that. And if he is thinking that, I would I would tell him this. I'd be like, dude, Fields is much more talented than Rosen, much more. And I think he's 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 more confident and poised than Darnold is. So he's already more poised. The, well, the reason why you sit a guy is because he's not poised. Or he's not, he's, or you feel like he's not ready. Yeah, you just feel like he's not mentally ready. Justin is mentally ready for this. I just don't know if like he is talented enough to like bring us to the playoffs. He's mentally ready to start, though. I feel like that's I feel like this is inarguable, but I don't know. Maybe I haven't met any Bears fan besides I haven't met anyone supporting the Bears besides Matt Nagy. See, like, I think <laughs> I think a lot of where the Bears like want for Justin Fields comes from is that they see the potential sitting there and it's like they haven't had that type of potential in a, in a long time ever I, ever i don't think ever so you basically think that okay so you think that we're like we're like a guy with low self esteem going to talk to a really pretty girl we're like a guy <laughs> just being like do you want to go maybe we'll go out we we'll go hang out maybe and then we'll see how see what happens and stuff so but it feels just like no yeah let's go out let's let's do this and we're just like <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good just, I like that. I like that. And we're just like, we're just frozen. We're like, no, we're going to go hang out with our ugly girlfriend instead. Actually, this ugly, <laughs> <laughs> this ugly girlfriend who throws interceptions and sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that was good. That was good right there. That that's that's good. the best I could think of. We're just like, we're, sh- we're shook. We can't handle it. So here's the, pr- so the Patriots will go nine and seven this year. I think that is possible. Uh, nine wins, I think, would be a, a. I think nine wins is is doable for. Um, and actually, it would have to be nine and eight because there is uh seventeen games. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say you better add uh, a winner. I have. There. I even though we lost to the Dolphins, I'm still putting the Patriots at ten and seven. I'm gonna go nine and eight now because I actually I had them penciled in to win. I I had them penciled in to win that one. So you think you're gonna pick up a win? I I put them at ten and seven from the start, and I'm gonna stick with it. And here's why: the issues that were that that plagued the Patriots in Week One are coachable, correctable, and it's not like they're they're like catastrophic. They made a lot of stupid mistakes and penalties, which Belichick will clean those penalties up. They won't be, that won't exist. The linebacking core, um, they can correct that. um, And I'm sure they will. If not fully, then it'll definitely get better. Um, And after week six, they're going to have Stefan Gilmore back. So I think they're going to be able to adjust how they play on defense a little bit. Maybe the defense was out of position a little bit because of of the lack of you know Gilmore in the shutdown corner. So all of mo- most, if not all, of the Patriots' issues that plagued them and caused the loss um, can be fixed. So I'm still sticking with my initial prediction, ten and seven. So pick it up and fight for the playoff. I mean, Belichick, he's gonna he's gonna be like they're not gonna have an easy week of practice. There's going to be a lot of, of fumble drills and just like 
there's going to be a lot of stuff that he's going to fix. So I agree with you. I think there's a lot of easy, simple things they can fix. So here's a question. Who is the rookie of the week? Rookie of the week? Or Maybe rookie I'm of biased, the year. But... Excuse me. Who is the rookie of the year after week one? So which rookie produced the best in week one? Do you want my my Homer answer or do you want me to be by my Homer, yeah. Go my Homer, the Homer answer, answer says says Mac Jones 29 of 39 74% completion percentage um no interceptions one touchdown Justin Fields because he's just too like <laughs> great and he scored a touchdown without even trying and it was just he, he he's his entire organization's holding him back so he's the MVP. I'm just I I'll give you. I'll be realistic though. I was I was very impressed with a with a bunch of with a bunch of a lot of rookies. Um, yeah. Micah Parsons played exceptionally well in that. Um, in that <laughs> uh, that Dallas and Bucks game, My, Micah Parsons was all over the field for 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 the Cowboys. He he um, that kid that kid showed me a lot in that game. I think Parsons for. I think Parsons for um, Dallas is going to be a really uh, one of it could end up being one of the cornerstone pieces of that of that defense. Um, Trevor Lawrence played very well too. The only downside is he threw three picks, had a couple nice throws, but yeah, it's it's going to be tough. But a lot of a lot of the rookies did. Uh, even Zach Wilson didn't have too bad of a day uh, either for the Jets, even though I believe they lost as well. Yeah, it's going to be tough for them. They're on two really bad franchises. It's just and the Jets and the Jets and Jags are going to be are going to be bad for a a long time, like like years. The, this, so, the, the rebuilds for both of those teams are no in no way, shape, or form close to being over. So so, <clears throat> Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons is probably like, yeah, he said Jamar Chase too. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, it's, it seems to be the the um consensus uh, and then mac jones he definitely had a good game i would say he there's a lot of potential there um so no there, no you're definitely right there there's a lot uh i completely forgot about chase he had he had himself a good game as well um eric says do you have a do you guys have a favorite baseball and hockey team so i am all Boston. I have the Celtics, the Bruins, the Red Sox, and the Patriots. JD, I I guess the Blackhawks are my favorite uh, hockey team. I don't watch hockey very often. If I do, it's the playoffs. Um, and uh, for baseball, definitely the Cubs. I've been a Cubs fan since I was a little kid. Um, and uh, I, like same thing. I don't watch a ton of baseball. A lot more than hockey, though. Uh, but basketball, I watch probably every single team in the NBA as well as some Euro league and some NBL and some other stuff. So I watch a lot of basketball and then football. I watch all the teams too. So all of the uh, bear, the bears, Chicago bears, right? I watch all the bears games. I watch, I watch the bucks. I watch, I watch the, I watch every game I can see pretty much with the NFL. Yeah. Jamar chase was great. Yeah. No question. I, I, I think the, the impressive, the, um, the Bengals were impressive. Very impressive um, because they're facing a more experienced team and they answered the call, man. They answered the call and they, uh, they had a lot of talent. That talent wasn't as like, for instance, I think that Herbert is more talented than 
than Cousins. Or not Herbert, I'm sorry. Burrow. I Burrow. think Burrow is more talented than Cousins. And uh and I think that you know he had what was it 20 for 27? He had a great game, especially I, down I the stretch. So, yeah. Especially in the overtime. <laughs> you know, they were just they, it was clean. It was very clean. So that's it was very impressive for these young guys. Like Burrow, Burrow's poise is something special. He he's gonna be, yeah. If they could ever get him an offensive line, he could be something. It is. It, it'll be very interesting. Grabbed his knee after. I didn't see that. Well, that's not good. That if that's if that's true, then that's not good. That's not good. Not good at all. But I think that'll do it for episode eight, guys. Once again, thanks for tuning in. Me and JD appreciate it as we rolled through all of the agenda for for this one, and we had our special guest once again. Thanks to Jake Silva, Jake the Snake. Jake the Appreciate Snake, you coming, coming on, on and talking and uh and being a guest on the show. And we will definitely be working with him and uh, a couple other guys in the future as well. So, but this was a this was fun, guys. Once again, me and JD appreciate all of the continued support of the channel. And if you want to listen to a specific segment of the channel, um JD, as always, uh the uh I90 sports talk for his channel. Um he chops them up and uh, edits them into specific segments. So, JD, put your channel link in there. So, if they want to watch a specific segment, uh, they know where to go. Yes, sir. We got a. Uh, I'll be chopping this one up next because there's not much more I have to chop up from the other episodes. But here you go. That Let's way, you guys it. can basically watch the uh, watch the segments that we the different segments that we do without having to watch the whole podcast on a playback. Yes. So there's, there's JD's channel. That's where the, um, edited version. So he'll have the playback one, the full one, or you'll have the playback and then you'll have the segments chopped up on there as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just, um, it's, it's basically like what we're talking about. It's, it's like six to, or anywhere from like four to 15 minute videos, something like that. And, um, yeah, we just, yeah, yeah, you just cut the, you cut the, the, you cut it up into the into the different segments. So if you guys exactly. are interested in rewatching a segment that we did, um, it's easier. It's easy to just go over to his channel and just click it and pull it up. My favorite one right now is Justin Fields will start in Week Four. I like that because it's, we, uh, we call yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, man. It, I'm telling you, it's the best opportunity for him to come into the offense and immediately make an impact and succeed and get a win and and, and get his confidence up. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for watching, Rick. Thanks for watching uh, Viking and Karam and Eric and everybody else who tuned in, Water King, all everybody else. You guys are awesome. Best chat on YouTube, as always. We got about 15 people watching. That was awesome. Good, good to hang thanks out. Thanks again, though, guys. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the continued support. Um, Viking, Rick, Karam, Eric, guys, thank you again for the continued support. We always appreciate it. And thank everybody for tuning in and watching. And we will catch you next time for episode nine. Nine. All right. Let's go. And thanks again, guys. Me and JD are out of here. Final word. Better fucking down, baby. We still got to go, baby. We got to win. Let's go. Let's go forever, New England, and go Pats. We're out of here, guys. Take it easy. <laughs>